A big welcome to the Nick Elston Show, hosted by inspirational speaker and transformational speaking coach, Nick Elston. This show brings you the people who inspire, motivate, educate, and engage in all walks of life, sharing their insights and experiences, honestly, unfiltered, and off script. So without further ado, let's get stuck into today's show. Hey everyone, a big welcome back to the Nick Elston Show. I can't stop grinning for this one. <laughs> it's season four, episode 10. And do you know what? Usually, to be fair, I've got to introduce you to my guests to explain who they are and where I met them. But you'll know this one. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Jackie Weaver. A big round of applause. Jackie Weaver, welcome to the show. Hello there, Nick. Pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much. Now, our paths crossed through the power of LinkedIn and stuff. But of course, they crossed a lot sooner than that. And actually, kind of what prompted me is I saw your appearance on Mastermind recently. Very impressive. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now, uh, for those who have been living under a rock for a little while, that uh, you kind of shot to uh, internet fame uh, throughout lockdown with the uh, the COVID kind of related council meeting through Zoom. That is the links in the bio, actually, if you want to check that one out. Um, did you ever see it kind of go in this way? Did you ever think that this was going to be a, a thing that before all of this kind of what were you, tell us what you were about before that web video went viral? Um, it is so difficult to, to sort of put it in, in kind of context without making it sound like it's, you know, like really dull. But I mean, I have a very ordinary life, um, married for over 30 years, um, three grown up sons. Um, and I've been involved with town parish councils for about 25 years. So the idea of going along to a council meeting and, and sometimes facing some challenges, not unique. I must say that particular one, I've never come across such hostility and anger, never. Um, I mean, I'm often asked that because the last thing I'd want to do is give people the impression that, you know, if you dare to dip your toe in the water, you probably mm. will find that. That's not the case at all. Um, so having experienced that, it was a kind of like a wow moment, but then two months go by and, you know, if it can take people's minds back to um, how we were all um, kind of in that moment, we were coming up to Christmas, Christmas was going to be so different, we had no idea what it was going to be like, and I think everybody, um, you know, it's always dangerous speaking for everybody, but certainly all I'd, all I'd got in my mind was how am I going to get through Christmas. How's it going to be different? How can you meet everyone's expectations? You know, what's going to happen, etc. And so handfuls come December was no longer on my mind. Is, do, do you think actually that um, I certainly see in, in my space around kind of mental health and even from the public speaking point of view of Harvard considered public speaking a greater fear than death as you've probably experienced more than ever right now with all your appearances on uh, media. But do you feel that actually fear was a big driver in terms of setting the tone of a lot of virtual conversations? Um, do you think that that situation would have happened in person, given the right circumstances? Or do you think actually there was some, should we say, safety or a lack of filter when it comes to a virtual call? Um, I, I think you are right in many um, occasions. I, I think that whole um, virtual meeting thing is something that I think we're getting, to, I think we're beginning to get to grips with. Um, but I think in those early days was challenging for us. However, knowing the players 
um, for several years before, I don't think it would have made much difference if it was a physical meeting. Interesting. So I used to run, um, I've never shared this on here before, so you're kind of bringing something out of me as well. So I used to run a, uh, a pub um, uh, locally, uh, just north of Bristol where I live, and it was run by the council, and it was called the Ratepayers Arms, really cool. <laughs> and this pub was actually owned and run by the council, so as one of the kind of stewards of the, of the, the organisation, I would attend council meetings and as you said, it's, it's such a passionate environment because there's a lot of beliefs and there's a lot of passion and people go into those positions because they genuinely have a desire to help people. They genuinely have a desire to, to do some good in their community. But obviously, as you said, that can really conflict with other really strong opinions in the room, can it? I, I think that if that's the motivation behind somebody going forward as a counsellor, then I think we have that kind of, um, oh, they used to call it robust debate. Yeah, and yeah. I'm okay with that. Well, I'm okay with it. I don't really like it. I much prefer consensus, but there you go. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I accept that I, um, exactly from the point that you were making. However, that's not everyone's motivation in going forward as a councillor. And one of the things that I've been trying to do over the past 12 months is encourage what I call the unusual suspects to get involved. So in many ways, it is the very people that you were talking about there who have that passion for their local community and want some mechanism for moving things forward in their community and a parish council is wonderful for doing that but we do have some people for whom being a councillor is the objective yeah of the community <laughs> That's so, uh, so is it kind of very kind of ego fueled in that sense is it status driven it can be yeah and, and again last thing i want to do is put anybody off um that in a minority but yeah. it's um, a vocal minority, and as you saw in Humthorpe, it has a, a hugely detrimental effect to the council. And again, that's one of the reasons I keep pushing the um, the unusual suspect kind of campaign, um, because I really want to fill up those seats with community-minded people. Yeah. You know, because that, in a way, is a solution. Yeah, absolutely. And how have your interactions been in those same circles since? Obviously, things have changed a lot since. And mm not just in terms of uh, your your fame and visibility, but also it's kind of been a, a situation which is very openly kind of critiqued and, and criticised from, from other people's point of view. Um, and there was also, you kind of strode into some big kind of conversations around things like sexism as well. And and that's really interesting that, that kind of what started out as kind of like a trying to manage a Zoom call turned into this big kind of national conversation. How has it affected your relationship with those councillors and people around you? Um, I guess um, I, I have um, a lot of benefits um, in that um, I'm well known in Cheshire and um, not for throwing out time at the pub. Um, <laughs> so I have a, you know, I, I have a reputation that I've built up, I hope, over the best part of 25 years. So a lot of people know me and they know me over a long period of time. Um, the other thing is that I'm not, I, I guess that I'm a bit like, um, what's that character called? Uh, Nanny McPhee. <laughs> so my job with councils is I don't stay with them. When they have problems, I come in and resolve the issues for them, and then I go away again. Okay. Um, you know, unless you unless you have an issue, I don't hear from you. Um, so, I mean, in the case of Hanforth, Hanforth has now gone from strength to strength. New councillors have been um, elected 
that they were contested election, the public really got behind it. Um, they renamed themselves a town council. Really good idea. It was for two reasons. One, they are certainly big enough. I mean, they're very close to Manchester Airport, have a, you know, a really good shopping centre there as well, big enough to be a town council. And it was their way of kind of saying, we are different, and they are. Um, consequently, I don't hear much from them at all. Interesting. Is I think when it comes to that kind of element, like I said, it'd be quite easy to um, look at these situations at rights. And, and how did that zoom call get released i don't actually know that how was it released into kind of public domain um I, I only found that out latterly um because the way in which um i mean now back up a little up until the 7th of may last year local councils and that includes town and parish councils were able to hold virtual meetings yeah post may we haven't been able to and we keep pushing government to change the legislation to allow us to um, so all of this was very new to us, and the way it was managed at Handforth um, was that the, um, the meeting would be recorded, and when the minutes were done, the minutes and the recording were given to the chairman of the meeting. Okay. So that's what happened. So having handed over the minutes and the um, link to the meeting, nothing more to do with me. Um, and then, as I say, time went by. My understanding is that, as is their usual way, they posted it on the website and there was a lovely young man i've met him um, and some of his colleagues a couple of times now down in london who is a politics student um, and they have kind of like a debating um society kind of thing where you know he likes to take along something that he's found on the internet that he thinks might be interesting for the group to discover and discuss and he came across the handful parish council meeting took it along to the group um, one of his um, friends in the group thought it was something that was, would be good to share, but not as a, an hour 30 long video. So what she did was she cropped the first four or five minutes. And it, isn't, um, it isn't a paste job, if you, if you know what I mean. Some people think that it's little snippets taken out over the, uh, a longer period of time. It's not. It's real time. Mm. But it is just the beginning of the meeting. Um, and that was what she posted. Um, on YouTube, which went viral. Wow. I mean, how many times you get that said to you? You don't have the authority here, Jackie Weaver. You must get that a lot. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's one of those things that I guess you've just done it as well, <laughs> where people say, you must hear this all the time, but nevertheless, I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got. To, I couldn't have you and not say it. That's the thing. It's kind of... And, and I can't... I can't... Um, I can't beat you up for that. I, <laughs> I can't say I'm unhappy about it because, in fact, it has served me incredibly well over that year. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that as well. Thank you for not beating me up. I'm, I'm a big lad anyway, but I don't want to be beaten up by Jackie Weaver. That, <laughs> that'll go viral again, probably, to be fair. You can beating people up. You can just make people bad about it. Yeah. That, 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 that wouldn't be what I wanted to do. And, in fact, the book that I brought out, um, I wanted to call it a little book of common sense because I feel that's what it is. Yeah. I, I feel that's what's inside it. Um, but I could understand that the publisher um, who has autonomy over the title and effect said it should be called You have you do have the authority here. Because of course it links it back to that. So I totally get it. 
So, so tell us about the book. I mean, the, the, for everybody watching and listening, the links in the bios, do check it out. But tell us about the book and, and what was the, the kind of thinking behind that? Like I said, you had the common sense theme. Uh, what the kind of themes that you cover and what are you hoping to achieve with that? Well, it, it's funny. People often ask me, you know, had you always wanted to write a book? And I thought, gosh, you must think I'm a right pretentious person. I mean, <laughs> I never <laughs> thought of writing a book. Never thought that anybody would have any particular interest in anything I've got to say, except when it comes to local councils. Yeah, because then I have that that's where I feel confident. That's where I feel that, yeah, I do know what I'm talking about. But a publisher uh, got in touch with me and said, would you write, like to write a book? And I said, no, I don't think so. Because my idea of writing a book is that kind of thing where you, you sit down with an old typewriter. Yeah, there's angst. Yes, there's, I mean, a bit of smoke, but there's smoking <laughs> for the night, you know, a bit of brandy involved, you know, all that kind of thing. I, thought, I don't have time. So I said, thank you, but no, but they, they were quite persistent. And they said, well, you know, we can work with you around that. We can work with you around your, your, your kind of availability. So that, you know, let's put together something that's not kind of like a, um, a novel, yeah. beginning from an end. You know, let, let's put together something that, that's kind of more... Um, I guess snapshots. Yeah. Um, so that that made it really much easier for me to write because you know at any time I could put half an hour away and sit and write you know five hundred words. You know. So and then they put it together very nicely. But when they were asking me about the book, he said, "Well, what would you like to write about?" And I thought, "Well, what do I know?" Because they all say, "Well, write about something you know." So I thought, "Well, I know about parish councils." But then I thought. We probably want to sell more than seven copies. <laughs> so I thought, that's not going to work, is it? And then so I gave it a bit more thought. And one of the things that my husband and I often do, you know, that moment when you and your partner are getting into bed at night and you have that kind of moment of, not every night, but moment of reflection over the day. And the number of times Stuart, that's my husband, and I say, it's bleeding common sense. You know, why aren't they doing this? And I thought, that's what I would like to write about, a book of common sense. And I guess for me, there's, there's lots of things in there, um, because actually it's been shortlisted for the business book of the year. Yeah, I saw that. That's amazing. Well done. I thought, although, to be honest, Nick, it's a very long shortlist. <laughs> yeah, but you're still on it. That's amazing. Yeah. And there must be one person somewhere that's written a book that isn't on it, but... <laughs> but it's a, it is an honour to have been selected and, and it's kind of full of things like um, my strategy I mean I never like to say I give advice to people nobody ever takes advice okay so what's the point of giving it to me but what I do do is set out things that I have found have worked for me and Excellent. maybe you might like to try them. and that's about kind of um, how you manage difficult people in meetings how you manage difficult meetings um, how you manage your work-life balance, particularly if you've grown up as a woman and everyone keeps telling you you can have it all. And my view is, no, you can't. Yeah, absolutely. So setting these, and, and again, then going, on, going, into, yeah, going into more private life um, things about the way, one of the things that frustrates the hell out of me, you know, particularly I think may know the advert it's on the telly all the time, but the advert that has lots of very, very thin, very scantily clad women generally, um, all being told that they're perfect. Now, the, these are women who, you know, are supposed to look at them and say, well, clearly you're not perfect because, you know, you have, is it vitiligo? Is that how you pronounce it? But that, mm. that kind of thing. So you're not perfect, 
you know, saying that, you know, but again, this is a woman with vitiligo who is still incredibly beautiful. Mm. You know, she is not the kind of person that you walk past in the street every day. So if we have young women growing up with the idea that you, you, can, you are perfect, then every time they look in the mirror and they don't look like that, then what are we doing to their self-esteem? And part of it is about, you know, it's okay to be okay. You know, you don't absolutely perfect. Perfect isn't what we're aiming for. I think one of the examples I use is, you know, as, as a society, we really rely on most of us being very similar to each other. And think of building a house with unique bricks. Every brick different from the last. Not going to happen, is it? <laughs> I like that. I think that's such an important message. I mean, in terms of professional speaking, it's something that I've worked hard to correct as well, because with the, I run kind of quarterly public speaking coaching events and 80% of the attendees are women. But when I get to, especially to stadium and conference level where it's big events, then 80, 90% are male. There is still that disconnect where, like you said, traditionally, where you've not had that platform to deliver your message, but you've been told that you can. So, and there's a difference, isn't there, between what you're told and what's actually um, possible, I guess, in that sense. So the more work that you're doing on this front, I think the more that you're really kind of readdressing something that needs to be done. So well done, I think. And again, it's such a positive thing to come from um, what has kind of been quite a freak occurrence in that sense in terms of that video going out. Um, and the, the title, You Do Have the Authority Here, is amazing. I'm, do you know, I'm a, I'm a Columbo fan. I'm, I'm old school. I, I, I love Columbo. Yeah, I love Columbo. Oh, high five. <laughs> and I was reading a, reading a, a book um, that was about Peter Falk. And he was saying the same thing as you were saying about the catchphrase that, that kind of everyone says to you and stuff or, or says and doesn't say. Uh, that <laughs> he was saying that just one more thing. He yeah. said that it, he, he said you either go push against it or actually you go with it. And like he said, he managed to create so much good in the world through harnessing that catchphrase. And so I think what you've done is, is phenomenal. And you have your podcast as well. Is that correct? Yes. Um, and again, it's one of those things that, um, you know, people, people have been generally incredibly kind to me, you know, so when I, when I've done something like, you know, I opened the Brits, for example, um, kind of <laughs> you, you say that so matter of fact, that's kind of like head blown. That's crazy, isn't it? That's so cool. <laughs> um, well, I turned them down twice. <laughs> that's it that's even better that's even cooler <laughs> they, they, um, they asked me first of all and i looked at the diary and i thought I've got, I, I feel really strongly about not bumping somebody quote smaller out of the diary for somebody bigger it's, it's just one of those things that i just i couldn't live with it mm. you know even if nobody knew i couldn't live with it so if i've got a commitment in the diary it's a commitment in the diary yeah right? um and i had one so I couldn't go down to London. Um, and so I said, no, I, I just can't fit it in her time. And I came back and said, well, what if we sweeten it with, you know, yeah, bring your, bring your husband or partner, stay over in that nice hotel, you know, but no, because I still can't make it because of the diary. None of that changes. So I thought that was the end of it. And then they came back to me and said, what if we do it virtually? We'll send a team up to film you and then we'll send a team to the other three locations and we'll put them together in that way. I said, yeah, absolutely. Because it was only the time that was stopping me from doing it. And I so <laughs> Jack Whitehall then in turn did my podcast for me. It was quite funny because 
obviously I've seen Jack um, many times on the telly um, and I got the distinct impression, although he was a bit rude and naughty, I still got the impression he was really trying to be good. <laughs> Like it was his granny that he was talking to. <laughs> the other thing. I love that. This show is sponsored by Forging People, transformational speaking coaching. Are you truly being heard in life, in business, in education, even at home? Your ability to deliver any message with clarity, power, and emotion will have an ultimately defining impact on your success as a speaker, leader, and influencer. For more information, contact team at forgingpeople.com. Are you truly being heard? It's time to find your voice. And I, th- I think that really highlights kind of the like the ethics and the morals that drive you as well to kind of to maintain that commitment to the diary. I think that's such a strong statement and it could be massively overlooked, actually, that commitment to doing the right thing. For me, it's huge. I mean, it's just something that I don't know. Um, I've never really thought it through. I just know it's really important to me. Um, and equally, converse is true. If I ever feel that somebody has done it to me, then I guess I just lose their number out of my phone book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that completely. And in terms of, you say the majority uh, have, have been kind and the majority have been supportive. Have you had to experience any toxicity or negativity, um, like from a public perception uh, yeah. th- throughout the last period? Yes, but very little of it. I have been incredibly lucky. Um, as I say, most people are really nice to me. It's like, you know, when journalists um, or even, you know, on, um, uh, on telly or whatever are interviewing me, they never cross-examine me. And I always think, I wonder why? <laughs> you know, so for example, you know, somebody might say, um, right, but, you know, surely, um, you know, do, do we come across council meetings like Hanforth very often? And I just go, no. And I wait for the challenge. <laughs> Where's the evidence for that? You know, um, no, just move on. Jackie said it was, it must be. Um, Do you feel that's because you haven't got an agenda? I, I think you, you find that a lot of people, especially kind of through people I've spoken to personally, that you just feel that they've got one eye on something else. And, and you seem very much in the room in that case. I, I think that's something I need to take away with me. I don't know. Um, in, in a way, I kind of miss it um because in a way it doesn't then give me the opportunity to to really drive forward the point Mm. um but you know if i then i guess if i then try and do it on my own i sound very defensive um so so i let it go but no in the main people have been kind but what surprised a couple of things surprised me one is um i have a fairly good following on twitter with um, over forty thousand people now um, and occasionally someone will, you know, will write something like, you know, you're a waste of space or something like that. And I got left there thinking, but why are you following me? Mm. No, it, it, I, I don't have any problem with you thinking that, you know, that there's nothing I'm saying that's of any value to you. But why are you following me? Why do you feel you need to tell me this? 
you know, and it's okay. I, I can't help but engage in the conversation. I know I shouldn't. Yeah, um, and I so. It's like, you know, uh, somebody said, um, you, know, oh, you know, oh my God, you know, all you have to do is appear in a Zoom meeting on this day, you're a superstar. Why is that? And I replied something like, because I'm wonderful. <laughs> Well played. I like that. <laughs> and not many people have a song by Andrew Lloyd Webber written about you. That, I, mean, I was doing some research yesterday. It, literally, there were rabbit holes going off all over the place. I could have spent a day researching the stuff that's been done in and around your world. And that song was amazing. Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote a song about Jackie Weaver. Crazy, but amazing. I mean, I, I know this sounds awful, but I don't actually read any of it. Okay, interesting. And I don't watch myself on telly unless I'm suddenly caught on telly. You know, we might be watching something and then suddenly something comes up that's been recorded weeks ago. Yeah. Um, I, I don't watch it. So you mentioned like uh, Jack Whitehall and obviously with, with Mastermind, it was Celebrity Mastermind, wasn't Mastermind kind of uh, Joe Public. So you have, you're coming into kind of close proximity with these kind of celebrities from different uh, backgrounds and specialisms and stuff. How have uh, have they been receptive of you in that sense? Have, have you had positive experiences with most? Again, is it like general public? Oh, that pause was far too long, wasn't it? <laughs> There's something there. <laughs> it's all the same with me. If, if I if I if I tell you exactly what I think, it comes out straight away. If I feel I need to edit it, then I can't give <laughs> any words while I'm processing. There's a pause. <laughs> yeah, I need to. I need to get um, that politician's way of filling that gap with something. <laughs> um, I, I think I've met two different people. I think I've met some incredibly kind personalities, as I would call them, irrespective of whether they're presenters or yeah. whether they're stars in their own, own right, that that talk to you like um, an equal. Yeah. And I have met others who on the screen are your most um, ardent um, follower, etc. And as soon as the camera goes off, do not even breathe in your direction again. Wow. Um, so I guess for me, that that's kind of like the two, the two different kind of um, people that I come across. Yeah. Wow, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of kind of... It, do you find that you're, you're very resilient in terms of going into situations that are new and potentially daunting, like going onto Mastermind or onto the Brits? Or um, how are you in those situations? Do you find it easy to adjust? Is there a mindset thing going on? Um, it's, a again, a really interesting question. Um, I do it. Um, I come out the other end and I go and do it again. So I guess I'm okay with it. Um, I, I guess part of it is also, it's so difficult to convey how busy I have been. And there comes a point in, in that kind of busyness where you have no time to process what you're doing. Mm. So that no matter where you are, what you're really thinking about is what you're doing next, not what you're doing now. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I guess, you know, for example, for me, the most, um, the weirdest one was the um, the big fat Christmas quiz. Yeah. Live audience, um, big studio, 
big stage um, and was it four or six comedians um, introduced by Jimmy Hill. Um, Jimmy Carr, sorry, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been something if it was Jimmy Hill, to be fair. And you have a script, but the one thing I found out quite quickly, and particularly with comedians, is they do not stick to the script. So if, if you if you've read your script and you're you know you're absolutely wedded to it, you know it's kind of like stand up, come out, stand on that spot, look at camera six, do this line, two camera six, change after camera six, move over to five, um, laugh, you know we're gone. And then you walk out, um, and we start off, you know, as we had planned, and then Jimmy Carr goes completely off um, off message and says, "You're really good at this, Jackie. You come here and do what I normally do." So now he's moved me onto what was the podium for asking questions. He says, "There you are. You read these questions," and I'm thinking, I "Wonder if we're still on camera five." <laughs> 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 through my mind, and the next five minutes are a complete blur. Wow. So it's kind of like I shifted into autopilot. I've got rid of everything else round about me. So I'm not even seeing the audience. I'm not seeing anything else. I'm, I'm just processing at speed whatever's coming up next. And Amazing. I have no idea what that's going to be. <laughs> Amazing. And with so much kind of uh, potentially for a lot of people could be quite overwhelming that transition into the kind of limelight the, and your busyness. Generally, you're busy, but like you said, busy before, busy now. How do you like to switch off? How do you kind of recover? What do you enjoy doing yourself personally? Um, just before I answer that, it, it's a really um, it's a really interesting question. Um, I was uh, about you know how you um, how people cope with, with with that kind of level of um, attention suddenly. Um, I was doing um, an event over in Guernsey um, for an organisation called Women in Public Life. And at lunch, um, we were running through the, um, you know, how we were going to do the um, evening. It was going to be, it was live, but it was being recorded as well um, in front of a, a big audience. Yeah. Um, and we were talking about it and, you know, getting quite excited about it. And, oh, yeah, that all sounds fine, no problem. And I looked at the woman next to me and she looked grey. Um, and eventually she spoke and she said, I'm really anxious about this. And in that moment, I thought, it had never occurred to me that everybody else wasn't as comfortable with this as I am. And I just took it for granted that mm. we were all okay with this. And I said to her, you know, don't worry, I'm chairing it. If I feel that you, you know, you run out of things to say, don't worry, I'll either prompt you to get us back on track or we'll just move on or I'll fill with you. Don't worry. You know, anything you say is great. And if you feel that's only a little bit, then that's fine. Don't worry about it. And she was great, of course she was. So I say that's the first thing that never occurred to me. And how do I switch off? Um, I like to play mindless computer games. Oh, brilliant! What kind of games? Things like Tetris. Amazing. Good stuff. Woody, Woody, that kind of thing. So they're very much things that are puzzles that go together, that that yeah. kind of thing. And I watch the telly at the same time because I I, I find that telly doesn't fill up my whole head. Do you know what I get exactly the same? I've quite often would do the same thing. You're quite right, especially with that ad breaks as well. <laughs> no, um, I also do lots of handicrafts. I mean, it, um, I've nothing on the go at the moment, but I mean, during lockdown, I knitted nine pairs of socks for my husband. <laughs> <laughs> Two jumpers, 
Um, and I like to do any kind of needlework, that kind of thing. I've got nothing on the go at the moment. So there's always something in my hands kind of occupying part of my brain while I'm watching the telly. That's um, really cool. That's usually what I do at night because by the time night time comes, there's nothing left. Yeah, absolutely. And that creativity is a really good thing, isn't it? I can I can absolutely see a Jackie Weaver Ranger socks now. I can just see <laughs> you've heard it here first, folks. Just staging. So interesting. I mean, one of the problems I have is that um, as a knitter, um, I'm really good. Don't get me wrong. I, I am not. I mean, I, I can do an Aran pattern. Rubbish at Fair Isle um, and um, any intarsius kind of stuff. No, not for me. I tried lace work. No, not for me. Um, but when it comes to sort of fairly ordinary knitting. I have such a big output, but I don't know what to do with it, you know? So the idea of socks is they're knitted on very, very tiny needles with very fine wool um, in, a, in a circle. So actually it's quite time consuming to do it. Yeah, I so like I end up with lots of um, opportunity to knit, but without that huge amount of stuff at the other end, <laughs> I don't want to wear it. You know, Stuart's very, very proud of his knitting jumpers. Um, but I don't like jumpers. I mean, I'm, I'm always hot. I don't want a jumper. <laughs> yeah, same with well, woolly socks. Open so, shirts for the win. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, look, I, I guess, I guess to say, like, kind of, what's next for Jackie Weaver? I mean, if you would have asked that three years ago, you would never seen what's coming next. But um, what is next for Jackie Weaver? I mean, you have so many amazing things going on: the pod, the book. You've got your media stuff. You've also got obviously still your commitments professionally too. Is there any kind of big outrageous goals that you really want to aim for? Um, I, I, I don't want for big outrageous goals. I am incredibly pragmatic. Um, but one of the things that we've just finished work on um, was a, a little video um, aimed at um, what I call the unusual suspects. Um, I'm hoping that we can release it on the 14th, which is um, voters registration day. Um, and it's about encouraging people to say, Actually, being a counsellor is perhaps something I can do because there's so much information out there, very accessible, you know, it, and what I mean by that is it's, it's not all written in local council language. Mm. But what I felt was missing was the thing that makes people say, I could do that. And then going and finding out more about it. Love so, um, yeah, so that video, I hope, will be seen all over the place. It'll be freely available. Um, and I hope we really push it coming up to the elections to make people think that being, going back to actually where we started the conversation, Nick, being a councillor is not about being a councillor. It's about using the council mechanism to deliver for your community. And if you someone who's got ideas or you know, just, just heart for your council, then actually have a look. You might find something there that's worth looking at. And, you know, if you're looking for, for more written information, have a look at the NALC, that's NALC.gov.uk website on their Make a Change campaign. Um, Amazing. All about encouraging those unusual suspects to get involved. Love the the that. Great stuff. Great the, stuff. The other thing for me, which is kind of the legacy of the last year, is that I, I think our local councils, our town and parish councils are more visible. And one of the things I'm seeing is that I'm getting invited to partnership meetings, organisations, events, etc, that would not normally have a local council presence. 
So for me, that's hugely important. You know, mm. it's, it's where the day job and the kind of celebrity bit really overlaps. Um, because I think that it's, I don't think they invite me necessarily because I'm a celebrity. I think they invite me because they've identified someone that can speak on behalf of the sector and is then known you know, for something else. So that for me is what I hope to build on. Well, the great stuff. Uh, and the, before I let you go, the question I like to ask everybody that comes on the show is this. I'm going to set the scene. And this will probably happen to you, actually, given your status. But I am now the MC of the O2 Arena in London. 20,000 people have paid our hard-earned money to come and hear you do your thing. What would be your walk-on music as I, as I introduce you to the stage? What would be your walk-on music? Um, I, I thought really hard about this because it was two things. It's about, you know, what do I like the sound of? What do I feel has a good message? Um, and, you know, I mean, you don't actually want to walk on to something like chasing cars. <laughs> it's not <laughs> quite the right vibe, is it? So I think I would go for I Am Woman by Helen Reddy. Great choice. Great choice. Although so, I'm sure people will have to search for that. It'll be a long time because <laughs> I haven't heard it. Yeah, I, I've checked that already. It's a great track. And that will be on the playlist along with everybody else from season four. So... Look, Jackie Weaver, I've really enjoyed today. From me to you, big round of applause. Thank you so much for using your platform to create so much positive and positive change as well. And thank you for donating your busy time to be on the show. We truly appreciate it. I know everybody else will have enjoyed it too. So thank you so much, Jackie. My pleasure. No worries. Okay, so everybody else, <clears throat> please stay tuned. Next Monday, we will have another guest coming your way. Uh, so please do hit like and subscribe and all that jazz. And uh, I'll see you then. In the meantime, take care, be well, and stay happy. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. Do hit the like button and subscribe to stay tuned for future episodes. Published every Monday and available through YouTube or the podcast platform of your choice. See you next week.